This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. We silo ourselves when we think of our clothes and our fashion. It's like a very introverted experience. It's all a costume, and you should start thinking about it that way because then you can have more agency in deciding how other people are going to react to your costume. If you're traveling in another country, this is when it really comes into play. The t-shirts that English men wear right now are not the same as the t-shirts that American men wear right now. I don't know that there's fairness in any of it. What part of it is fair? I don't think fairness matters. I think you have to get over that, <laughs> you know? Everyone is playing this game. We're all in this game. So at least take a step outside and look at the game and then decide how to best play it. Hey, welcome to the Create Unknown, the home of Make Something Mean Something. It is TCU's Day. I am Kevin Lieber. With me, as always, is Matthew Tabor. Yeah, this is two in a row. Two in a row that I've been here. Welcome back. Let's make it three next week. We'll see. <laughs> Spice things up unless something catastrophic occurs, which is always possible out of the blue. Yeah. Was, th was there a point at which Kel Ripken took a day off and just ended the streak or did he retire to end the streak? I don't know. I, don't, I still don't know quite how he, he pulled that off. I, I retweeted a fantastic Kissing Bandit uh, video. Did you see that? Does anybody know the Kissing Bandit? This? That's like a way too old of a oh, reference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw her. She kissed Mike Greenwell at a Hall of Fame game in 1990, I think, or 89. You saw her in person? Yeah, she she was blonde with kind of biggish hair and and uh, buxom. Very buxom, like absurdly buxom. Yeah. And she would run out onto baseball fields uh, and yep. and kiss one of the players. So there was one that I retweeted yes. recently where she ran on out onto the field and and kissed Cal Ripken. <laughs> And uh, well, I said, September you know, 20th, we used 19... to be a country. Oh. We used to be a country. <laughs> well, he did take a break uh, of his own volition in September 20th, 1998. So what I'm saying is that he had to have played after that. And, you know, what did it feel like when you're on like game three after 2,632 in a row? Well, that's how I feel. You know, what was it? Most, most all of a 175 and then. Streaks over. I'm at two. I'm at two. 
I don't know whether to be excited about it or what. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see where we go from it's here. Beginning. But uh, one thing that I'm excited about is just having uh, bringing more of our private conversations to the public. Yeah. Bringing the things that we talk about with each other, you know, outside of the podcast onto the podcast. And today, one of those things has to do with appearance. It has to do with how you present yourself to other people, it ha that which you know goes to mm -hmm. fashion, your clothes, your hair, your the way you do your facial hair, whether you have that or not, your makeup, whether you have that or not, everything, everything that you do, uh, the way that you present yourselves, yourself to other people, how you yes. control that, and how to think about that, and. Um, I, I really want to start with how to think about that because I think that is something that no one ever talks about, <laughs> ever. No one teaches you this. They never no. mention it. And I never hear anyone discuss this in, on any social media or any podcast or anything. And it is possibly one of the most important things that you can think about. It is. It is. And I do want to point out, too, before we go any further, you and I have talked about this for a solid 10 years. Is that fair? Mm, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely more. Like this goes way. Yeah. I think it is more. Yeah. Way, way back. Uh, and it has evolved as all sorts of things evolve. So, um, you know, now nobody does talk about it very often because, uh, your mind is in front of other people a lot more than you yourself are, you know, even, even, uh, people who do a lot of zoom meetings um, are in the minority, you know, so it, it's not what it used to be. Uh, and that is continuously changing. So we've talked about it for over a decade. We've updated it along the way and it popped, uh, a week ago or a couple days ago where we, we got into it again in a new way. Yeah. And I don't even re remember why that popped, but, uh, I do remember sort of what the catalyst was for us initially discussing this between ourselves. And that was when mm -hmm. I was insulted <laughs> by yes. um, a, a mentor of mine, someone who I looked up to at the time. And I don't know why he said this. I think it was just him trying to give me advice and be helpful. But uh, he called me a schlub. I, I don't know how familiar <laughs> with this word most people are, but schlub, it's probably Yiddish. I don't know. It, it, it's basically used yeah. to describe someone who is kind of um, a little unkempt, doesn't take great pride in their appearance, and is just kind of a little too casually uh, presenting themselves, I guess. Yeah, and schlub is one of those, like, if you, excuse me, if you haven't heard it, which, uh, who said that? Bad Spoon said in the chat, I don't hear schlub too often. Yeah, you don't anymore. It used to be something, you know, in the lexicon uh, of, of older people, and I can't recall the last time I encountered schlub in the wild, but even if you have never heard this thing used, you can tell it's one of those uh, onomatopoeia like words where you hear schlub and it, you know, it's not a good thing. <laughs> you know, like you, you wouldn't look at somebody schlubbingly and, and, you know, hear that and think like, Ooh, Ooh, that's, that's, that's a very nice look or like any way you can use schlub in a sentence, you are going to know it sucks. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a word that just sounds it's very, evocative. yeah, it sounds like clumsy and, and unkempt as you say it. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And, and, and let me, let me start by saying that I didn't think that I was a schlub. 
I was dressed. I wouldn't have said you were. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was dressing in a way that I found comfortable, uh, in a way that I felt like myself, which I think is what sort of everyone is trying to find when it comes to their clothes and the way that they do their hair, if they dye their hair, if they don't. You know, you want to feel comfortable in your skin uh, so that when you do approach people, you know, you're signaling to them, this is who I am. And that that's really the point of whether you're wearing like a video game t-shirt or you're wearing a three-piece suit, you're wearing a hoodie um, or you're wearing pajamas. All of these things are sending some sort of signal to everyone else, to the rest of the world. Like this is not, you do not exist in a vacuum. That's like kind of the first thing that I wanted to say about this topic is that we silo ourselves when we think of our clothes and our fashion we silo ourselves. It's very, it's like a very introverted experience in which we say, well, I really like this shirt. I really like these pants or these are very comfortable clothes to me. And that's the end of my thought process about this. And that's kind of what I wanted to say is like, okay, that's, that's good, but it's not the end of the thought. It's not the end of the uh, interaction with the rest of the world. It's really just the beginning. Right. Yeah. The whole thing is such a delicate concept. It is, it, it is so delicate. Uh, so, you know, Kevin, so you, I, I don't think that you were a schlub. Now you were not, you never dressed appropriately to fit in at, at like a board meeting for a multinational corporation. We can agree on that. Yes. But it's not like you were dirty and unkempt. You were just casual. I would, I would have, that's it. I would have called you casual. Okay. Like clean casual. Does that make sense? Sure. Um, what was the mismatch in what the mentor said? Like, what what would you have worn to make him not think that at the time? Well, a couple of things. You know, this mentor was in Manhattan. This was in New York City. Okay. This was not in, you know, this, this was not a mentor at a farm in Iowa. Like, that, <laughs> that guy probably- He was an industry person, too. Right. That That's important to, to say here. This was a media industry person who- is, uh, you know, on this side of things too. It wasn't like an editor for Vanity Fair. Like, uh, no, it was somebody really familiar with your space. Yeah. Yeah. With the media space, which, which look is largely based on how you are presenting yourself. And in some cases it's entirely based on how you're presenting yourself. If you're, you know, say, uh, say a model or, you know, an actor, um, that is 98% of the job. So, but even as a YouTuber, that's part of the job. And we've talked about this on the podcast with Austin Evans, um, with Gamer from, Gamer from Mars, that there have been moments that, that there were distinct moments in their YouTube careers in which they were getting feedback from commenters saying, essentially, you look like a schlub. And right. they made a change, you know, for for the better for themselves to to get healthier and to get in shape and to get a nicer haircut and get a haircut, you know, f routinely, um, all of these things. Um, but, but to start with this conversation again, I wanted to say that all of this is signaling. It's a signaling, um, endeavor. As long as you're interacting with people, if you're not interacting with people and you are just, you know, by yourself and you're, you're at home and you're just wearing gym shorts and a t-shirt and you're comfortable, that's fine. But once you <laughs> start, once you leave the house, uh, even if it is just to go to Walmart or something, 
you're no longer by yourself. You're no longer in this vacuum. You now are part of society and there are other people yeah. involved in looking at you and thinking about you based upon how you're presenting yourself. Yep. Yeah, there are implications and consequences, whether they're important to you or not. Um, you know, you're putting something else out into the world. Well, by definition, all the other people in the world are going to be receiving it. And it can be something as little and insignificant as, well, they look at you and they see, you know, what you are or aren't wearing. Um, you know, and when you start to ask the questions, uh, the big questions like, does it matter? Does saying you should uh, wear a suit and tie so you're not a schlub? It, to what degree are you are you uh, suppressing you and your personal expression and, and simply even what you want to do, what's comfortable for you? Um, and there are serious double standards with this where we don't think twice if somebody uh, – if somebody dresses in a certain way because of religious orthodoxy, for example, I see a lot of Amish people in my daily life. They dress a certain way. It doesn't occur to me that that it's, you know, at all inappropriate. You know, you see uh, uh, Muslim women with a range of head coverings that they wear for cultural and religious reasons. Um, you know, you wouldn't necessarily make the same comment there as you would to to somebody with, you know, a ratty Atari t-shirt. Um, so we do evaluate these things differently uh, based on, you know, uh, kind of whether we find the personal expression to be legitimate. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's a Muslim woman, sure, you, you say, okay, that's, that's legitimate. If it's an Amish man, you know, he's wearing his simple pants and uh, coat. Um, yeah, there's no question. But then you see somebody who who wears vintage, you know, t-shirts from the eighties. Uh, and you're like, okay, you, you kind of dressed down today, didn't you buddy? <laughs> like this is, this is the best you could do. Uh, and you may even feel like there's a, a lack of respect shown And those thoughts would not occur to you in those other situations. So we clearly think about this differently depending on who it is. And that further complicates this issue that does have a lot of big questions. What do you owe somebody else in terms of appearance is it anything how much uh, do you want to give you know at what point do you need to not necessarily do exactly what you want to do and if you if the pendulum swings so far back that other way um are you just being selfish and narcissistic and then kevin it's what you brought up and i want you to really pull on this uh how how do you how do you manipulate this entire spectrum of what you want to do to get the result you want and if that's in the industry, like the industry in which you were called a schlub, well, there maybe you, uh, for the purposes of advancing yourself within it, you do when you what you do what you wouldn't naturally do. Like like when do you pull the trigger that way? I, I don't know. This is a really complex issue, much much more uh, than it seems on the surface. It it, it is. And uh, one thing I wanted to mention before answering your question is that something that you brought up. I immediately sparked something in my brain that I think is really interesting. So when you were talking about religious garb, you know, that that is essentially yeah. wearing kind of the same thing all the time. Like if you're a Hasidic Jew, you're pretty much wearing the same clothing every day. Right. And That's right. What, yep. what what made me think of um, and, and then what you were relating it to is like, OK, once what if you don't do that and you have the freedom 
to to express yourself and your individuality based upon your clothing a like on one hand that is an an amazing thing to be able to do on the other hand it brings up a nightmare of problems because and 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 this is the example i want to use school school uniforms okay so yeah. in in many 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 schools have uniforms um uh, and any gamers out there have played like any Japanese video game in which there are you're 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 playing as Japanese students you will notice that they have school uniforms one of the yep. functions that that serves is it really it it levels the playing field in terms of things like class because yes i don't, I don't mean like school class i mean like wealth brackets right. so if everyone right. is wearing the same school uniform you do not know who the poor kids and the rich kids are I mean, you you will once you get to know them, but you can't just walk down the hallways and say, hey, obviously this is a poor kid and and wow, look at her. She's obviously rich. That's yes. that's a significant thing. And that all comes yeah, back to what, whole what thing we're talking out of the about. Equation. It, just, it just removes it. It's like that's no longer a thing where, you know, people are just judging each other in the hallway walking by based on, you know, this this kid who wears the same oversized, stretched out, dirty stone cold steve austin shirt <laughs> every single day you know and this girl who's wearing i, I don't know what rich people's clothes are designer designer <laughs> clothing and i can't even i can't even rescue you dolce that, gabbana the, i don't know yeah th there we go that'll work yeah and you know six yeah. six hundred dollar shoes and this kid's wearing i mean in, only six in the school that we went to i distinctly <laughs> remember a kid who wore soccer cleats to school because he had no regular shoes. That's oh. that's how poor this kid was. I don't even know I where he got that. these soccer yeah. cleats, but he would walk around school literally in cleats yeah. because that was the only footwear that like fit him that he had. It, that's right. You know. So. Yep. I'd, I'd forgotten about that one. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And then meanwhile, you have yeah, other it, kids who are wearing the brand new one hundred and fifty dollar Jordans or whatever. Yeah, and that's that's the question. Uh, do you do the benefits of leveling that playing field and eliminating all sorts of uh, distractions? Um, is it worth the cost of of suppressing the individual there? And this is a big question in a lot of other arenas. So the school the school uniform. I'm so glad you brought that up. I didn't think of it. Um, it's a great one because it's so incredibly clear what the benefits and the costs are. Um, it's less clear that like, let's, I don't know, what do the kids do now? They, they, they swipe on the tinders. <laughs> they find somebody who swipes the same way they do. They go out. Well, what do you wear the first time you're meeting that person? This is really a big, big, big question. And it's at, it, it boils down to the same thing that we're talking about in a meta sense do you wear something that's going to highlight your best features impress them give them you know whatever the best possible interpretation of you is or do you think well i'm going to wear the same shit i always wear because that's a litmus test for them if they're okay with it they're going to be okay with me three months from now when i am wearing this every day mm -hmm. i can see an argument for both of those both of those paths and i feel that way professionally too where kevin you this so you had your schlub moment i have my own schlub moment where instead of a nameless mentor uh insulting me it was you 
you were the you were the one who insulted me um we were this is before i was properly working with vsauce 2 well before the podcast uh there was a vidcon and a billion views party for vsauce you know there's a whole slate of of stuff out there and and i talked to you about what i swear because i'd never been to to a vidcon um and you told me the schlub story and I just had trouble with, I had trouble with exactly this issue. It's like, well, do you wear something where you feel comfortable and you end up self-selecting uh, the responses from everybody else? Or do you present yourself the very best you can? And you pretty much told me, no, this is, you know, don't pull the old t-shirt gag. And so I didn't, I didn't. And it turned out I was the only person dressed very well at at that event and since then i am the only person i'm seeing if there's anybody in here who's been uh vidcon with us uh isaac isn't in um but yeah kevin can attest that he's like i'm the only one with a shirt and tie at vidcon at vidcon um nobody nobody does it that way and it's been uh, a good thing like there's an element of of like for I don't know what it is, but this person woke up today and and chose a slightly more serious path than he could have. <laughs> you know, like that's the best you can do on a first impression like that. I don't know what you've been sipping, but you've got it all wrong. It's time to commit to the leaf. We've embraced the smoothness and surprising pick-me-up that tea provides. I literally drink it all day long, nearly a gallon a day, and it powers me through research, script writing, and forums on websites that I refuse to name here. But we don't drink normie NPC tea. We drink cultured and refined anime tea from the Dragon's Treasure. Kevin still likes the gunpowder green called Space Cowboy, and I've sampled nearly 40 Dragon's Treasure teas at this point. Lately, I've been slamming black teas like Kentucky Bourbon and Liquefied Berserk Despair. Scottish Breakfast is deep and peaty, and I smooth it over with Sebastian's Morning Earl Grey, which has the best vanilla cream taste I think I've ever had in a cup. Give me a pot of that with a hot meatball sub from Sal's Pizza and Brooks Barbecue Chicken to wash down my last meal on death row. I highly recommend the sampler packs. You'll want to try everything just like I did. I literally have not had one tea that I wouldn't be happy to reorder. The Dragon's Wings membership fuels new tea experimentation and the Tea of the Month Club provides a regularly scheduled surprise. And when you order from the Dragon's Treasure using code CREATE, You'll get 10% off your order. That's 10% off using the code CREATE at thedragonstreasure.com. The link's in the description. Um, Charles points out that it is a costume. Yeah, it is. It, everything is a says, costume. He part of the pro, e not the jabroni. Everything, everything is, is, a, is costume. a costume. That's the point of this podcast. Yes. It's all a costume. Yep. And you should start thinking about it that way because it's a lot more useful to think that it's all a costume uh, because then you can have more agency in deciding and being active in how other people are going to react to your costume, whether it's the costume yes. that you have decided is your most authentic costume or it's a costume where at an event like VidCon, all of a sudden you're standing out as being more of a professional than everyone else. Well, that has a lot of uses yes. and a lot of benefits to you uh, in many ways in in meeting people at such an event. It does. It makes a, a massive difference. Um, it fits too. Like I, I, 
I'm trying to think of, okay, okay. Let's say, Kevin, instead of Vsauce 2, uh, you had four and a half million subscribers to Jerry Bloop. Um, would it be as important that I looked sharp if I was there working with Kevin of Jerry Bloop? Maybe not. Maybe not. There's a different mood to uh, goofy-ass comedy compared to math paradoxes. Uh, so all those things would factor into the appropriate costume and, and to what level the opposite would be inappropriate. You know, you could get away with a lot if you were Jerry Bloop. <laughs> you could be a schlub. Wouldn't it be strange if you had like a three-piece suit and walked around at VidCon as, you know, telling people you were Jerry Bloop? Like, that's a mismatch. It, it would be weird. It would be weird. But but also, you know who never look like schlubs are agents. That Like the most sharply dressed oh, people I've ever met in my life are talent agents. They look like a million yep. bucks in every single room. No matter what, every time they walk into Always. a room, they look like a million bucks because that's their job. Their job yeah. is to be the top tier, like making deals and you know, securing a lot of money from companies that have a lot of money for their clients. I mean, it's the same thing with things like lawyers. Uh, you know, I, I'm right. sh I'm sure at some point, you know, pe people listening are like, oh, there are exceptions. It's like, yes, there are exceptions. There, it, there, there, yeah. there are counter signaling ex exceptions that happen, which you see if anybody's noticed images of like, you know, Bill Gates or Mark Zuckerberg dressing very, very casually all the time. That is counter signaling at play. They are so rich yep. and so powerful that it's almost goofy for them to dress to the nines. It actually makes more sense yes. for them to dress down because they're so high. This is the game and it is intricate, right. but but this unless you think about the game, you're not going to be able to play it properly or or at all. You're just going to be a pawn in the game and that's not a good place to be for any game. No, no, you can be a passive participant who's getting bounced around the pinball machine, uh just slamming into things, even getting mashed by the flippers, or you can control the flippers. You know, you, you that's not total control, but you're never going to have total control. At least you're influencing what's happening. Whereas when you're the ball, that, that's it. You can be the flippers or you can be the ball. <laughs> you know, which, <laughs> which one do you want to do? Mm -hmm. uh, it, I, it's so hard to express the implications, but I have, I have been in so many scenarios in the last 20 years where this stuff mattered, whether it was academic, I can tell you, Unless you are shockingly famous, um, John Conway was one. John Conway was uh, the mathematician. Uh, he, my brother, was at a math conference, and John Conway came in with like ratty khakis and a dirty white T-shirt and said his thing at the podium and then left. Well, he's John Conway. He's he's he can do that. Um, I have gone to academic conferences dressed down and. I was treated accordingly. Nobody took me seriously. Uh, I've been to political events where I, I dressed down. One, I was actually, they actually pulled me aside and asked me why I was there. And I had just, I, I'd, I'd paid for dinner to be there. It was one of those things where you have to pay by the plate to see somebody speak and whatever. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, I, my, my casual dress was not welcome there. Uh, so you're going to pay a cost there. If you're traveling in another country, this is when it really comes into play. 
it really comes into play because you are constantly making a decision, even t-shirts. So like, let me tell you, if you take the, the most similar yet still different countries. So like USA and Canada are close enough to, to not contrast, but let's say the USA and England are the closest two countries that are still substantially different. Um, the t-shirts that English men wear right now are not the same as the t-shirts that American men wear right now. Uh, when you watch TV, British TV, you'll see, you'll see a difference. Uh, so you can put on the most normal thing, super dry, uh, Teddy points out that that was, yeah, that was absolutely a British thing. The whole super dry line for a long, long time. Um, but yeah, it's like, I'm going to put on a t-shirt and go do whatever. Well, even that t-shirt is signaling that you are not from there. The simplest thing is signaling you're not from there. Uh, you know, I wear boots everywhere. They signal to the rest of the world that I'm not from there. Uh, I wear the hats that I, I often wear you know, you make a decision that's like, okay, you're here in Israel, the sun's out. Do you wear your, your Stetson today? Um, if you do, you are signaling quite a few things to literally everybody on the street. Uh, and if you don't, you haven't worn your, the hat you should have worn that day. So there are implications with the people you meet, how you meet them. Uh, it can be really good and it can be really bad. The same exact thing. You know, you go to, you're in a foreign country, you go out at night, you go to a bar and you're wearing boots and a hat. Uh, certain drunk people are going to talk to you because it's goofy and they're having a great time and they want to talk to the, the weird person who's clearly not from there. Well, maybe you want that. And maybe that goes really well. And maybe it doesn't at all. So I don't know. I don't know what the answer is on all of these things because the outcomes are so variable. So I know that was a long list of examples, Kevin, but I cannot stop pulling on this thread in my head. And I haven't since we first talked about it in, in George W. Bush's first term. <laughs> um, I think that the, that you can't think of an answer is okay. I don't think that there necessarily is an answer. It's too complex for an answer. Um, it's a it's a fluid situation, and 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 it's a fluid situation because it's not just you. It's fluid because it has to do with who you're around, what the environment is, what are the expectations of the of yourself as it relates to the other people. What are you trying to get out of the situation? What is your goal for being here? You know, is your goal to just grab some milk and some bread at the store and go home? Well, that's way different than going to a conference you know, based upon your profession, those are not the same thing and trying to network and make connections. So thing, things, um, so I want to go back to everything being a costume and thinking of it like that, because it really is no matter what your costume is, no matter how you are dressed or how you're presenting yourself, whether you're, you admit to yourself that you're doing it consciously or not, or it's just subconscious, it doesn't matter. You are signaling to other people something about yourself. If it's yeah. if if you're Amish and you just wear the Amish garb, you're signaling that you're Amish, okay? And everybody knows it. Uh, if you are wearing a Legend of Zelda hoodie, you are signaling to other people that you love video games. You're a gamer. That's what you're signaling. You're laid back. You're cool. You're casual. You like games, and that's part of your personality. If you're a big metalhead. 
I mean, I worked with a dude who only was the biggest metalhead I ever knew in my entire life, had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of metal albums, maybe thousands, and never wore anything other than like ripped up black jeans and <laughs> black death metal shirts and a uh, this same like vest that had like a million patches and, and buttons on it. Like that's a uniform of the metalhead. That's the costume. Yeah. Of the metalhead. That is being committed committed to the bit. <laughs> it's just, it's wearing the costume of, I'm the yeah, metalhead. And I want everyone to know, that's my thing. That's what I'm into. And that's how I vibe. So, if you like metal, let's talk about it and we'll vibe. If you don't, maybe I don't like you. And, and maybe, you know, I don't think like you're cool. You don't think I'm cool. That's fine. Stay away from me. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I'm trying to get across with my particular you know, way of presenting myself. You know, there's something with, uh, this all breaks down into like layers of minutia that just get minuscule. You know, I mentioned boots earlier and I talked about boots a lot last week, but it would. So, so when I put, when I wear boots, I would not wear out a pair of boots that look new. I absolutely wouldn't. It, It would be shameful to me to have, to wear boots that were not broken in because it is such a signal that well you haven't done shit have you you haven't done anything if you if you did uh your boots wouldn't be shiny and new you know who wears new boots new new uh, lucchese boots mobsters in the 1980s <laughs> like watch a film and they all have shiny you know lizard and ostrich uh lucchese boots uh well that that's not me and i don't want it to be me and i don't want anybody to think it's me that's that's insane um, so even the individual elements of this break in at least two different ways. Uh, but I just realized that this morning, this morning, Scott Adams talked about something extremely relevant to this conversation. I like putting him on in the morning, not necessarily because of what he talks about or what his conclusions are. I absolutely love the energy that he has and the way he can talk for an hour in such an entertaining way. I like his energy in the morning. Anyway, at a certain point, he was saying, well, here's something I didn't know. Uh, A man wearing a nice watch is received better by women. And he asked his chat, for the women in the chat, is this this accurate? And he gets flooded with yeses. And then he said, you know, and and I'm listening to it, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, men don't have a ton of accessories the way women can, and a watch is is one of the big ones, right? So this makes a lot of sense. It's a nice accessory. But then he said, what if it's an Apple watch? Does that, if, if a man is wearing an Apple watch, what, is that, what does that do? And then his chat gets flooded with no's. So it's obviously more complex <laughs> than just having a nice watch because an Apple watch is a nice watch. The nature and the specifics of that watch completely changed this viewership of women saying, yeah, a man with a a good watch is that adds to his appearance and my opinion of him. Well, but if it's this watch, he's a he's a beta cuck. (laughs) Yeah, but that that, that makes sense, though. It makes sense. And, And watch. I never even thought of watch. What an amazing thing to bring up, because watches are useless. In modern times, no one needs a watch anymore. You have anymore. a phone. Yep. 
with a clock in your pocket. You might as well have a sundial on your wrist. It is useless, uh, except for signaling. And it is a status symbol. And you are signaling to people your status. So if you are wearing like a cheap smartwatch, that's signaling something compared to a Rolex. I mean, that's why that industry thrives is that they will sell these ridiculously expensive tens of thousands of dollars watches whose only function is to say, I got money. (laughs) Look at me. I've got money and I'm responsible enough to maintain this thing on my wrist and it's not dirty, it's clean and it functions and I'm wearing it and no one's taking it from me. Those are the things that you're saying wearing a $12,000 watch or a $3,000 watch or a a Mickey Mouse watch. Like that's very different. (laughs) A swatch from 1992 is really different than a Rolex. All of that is signaling behavior. And the watch is like the only ornamentation for men it is rings just aren't the same um they it's hard to see them i mean there's the basic of like the wedding band being a signaling thing uh but but there's no real evaluation like there is with a watch uh i i know shoes are a thing for a lot of a lot of people and not so much mean i don't know anything about you know, like if I see a guy wearing sneakers, I don't know if they're like rare uh, Jordans or something like that, or if they're just like, you know, you could go to any store and buy those Jordans right now. I don't know the difference. I can't appreciate when people do signaling with things like sneakers. Um, but I think everybody can with watches. You can, because even if you can't verify that it's like an actual real Rolex you know that the person is presenting it as such, and that says something about them. You know, so whether it's real or not doesn't even matter in terms of your interpretation. It's signaled the same thing either way. Handbags with women uh, can work this way as well. Um, you know, they're easy to evaluate. You take a look, and they're big enough to see. You know, earrings uh, not not so much with women. You got to be quite close uh, to see any detail. It doesn't work as well. But some of those big things, and and watch is just front and center. Um, yeah. And, and Jen in the chat, by the way, points out the thing with the wedding rings, like they're uh, wearing rings with regularity means you're not working with your hands. Yeah. I don't wear any rings when I work outside, uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, what, you know, she says something about her husband, you know, facing the prospect of having it ripped off by a power tool. Well, anything with gold is so soft and malleable that it's really easy to get crushed. And if you get it crushed on your finger and it essentially clamps down on your finger, that is a very bad spot to be in. Um, and some people pull the, the titanium root. Some have the, the latex uh, rubber root. Um, you know, there are ways around it. But generally, generally, um, the watch is such a unique case because it used to be so useful. It used to really be important. You don't, yeah, you don't need it. So as opposed to something like you mentioned shoes, like you have to wear shoes. So the variation of the theme of shoes uh, comes into play with your, your signaling choices, but with a watch, you don't even have to, that's what I meant by ornamentation. It's like adding a thing to your person that serves no function uh, other than signaling really. 
We want to help you make something and mean something. And we say that phrase all the time because when you're making something and you know it means something, even if it's just to you, that's when you feel pretty good about what you're creating. The support for the Create Unknown in recent weeks has been incredible. Animators, artists, musicians, YouTubers, aspiring filmmakers, comedians, it is crazy how talented everybody in this community is. Consider joining the Create Unknown Patreon. Every dollar that comes through goes straight into the podcast and its community. That means more highlights videos. It means a big Minecraft project that's on the way. And eventually we'd like to manufacture custom piss bottles so you never have to leave your battle station. And being a patron unlocks participation in all of our live recordings. You've seen the roster of guests we've had. Having access to their minds is a unique opportunity. You can go to patreon.com slash thecreateunknown or click the link that's in the description. Every little bit helps and your support means absolutely everything to us. Patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. Links in the description. We appreciate you, Space Cowboys. Um, yeah. Here, here's an important thing that I want to get to and that's cost so okay another element of this and maybe the most important part that no one ever talks about is that i think that people struggle with coming to terms with having to pay a cost for how they're comfortable presenting themselves <laughs> god that, okay, go on. that was really go on. i, I want to make sure i understand this. yeah that was really hard to articulate uh let me give you an example because examples are way easier than some sort of conceptual word salad. Here's the example. When I was like 15, I grew my hair long. I was, I had gotten really, really, that, yeah. really into playing guitar and listening to music. That was, that became sort of like the main thing I was interested in. However, you would have been very much at home in the Seattle grunge scene. Is that fair to say? Um, I certainly thought I was when I was 15. <laughs> um, however, I was still involved in sports at that time. It was like I was right on the cusp of no longer being involved in sports and just going full on into music. I remember uh, before a baseball season started, walking in to meet with my coach who had known me for years, had been my coach for many, many seasons. He was not happy that I grew my hair long and flat out really? to told me I needed to get a haircut if I was going to play on his team. Okay. And this is okay. not, this is not 1966. Okay. This is like 1996 or something like that. There was a cost for me to have the long hair I was comfortable with. And that was to receive ire and shame from my baseball coach because long hair to him did not fit in with the aesthetic of being a ball player right and this is not just your uh, quirky baseball coach george steinbrenner instituted this rule with the yankees no long hair and no facial hair other than a mustache he did this when he bought the team. It was, it's been that way for decades. People like Johnny Damon. Now, we're, we're getting into the sports weeds a little bit here. The, very, probably very few people are going to know these examples. But Johnny Damon, when he played for Boston, uh, had super long hair and an uh, unkempt beard. A All those he looked guys like on a caveman. Team, he looked like a caveman. He looked like a caveman. Yes. Yeah. Well, he eventually signed with the Yankees and was like, okay, Johnny has to cut his hair now and shave cleanly. And he did. Mm -hmm. He did because that was a condition 
uh, playing for the Yankees. Um, so it's not just a quirky high school baseball coach who wants it a certain way and is trying to institute discipline. No, people really do believe this up to the highest levels, to the point where Steinbrenner absolutely insisted on it. And then, they, you know, you think of Derek Jeter, who is somebody even non-sports fans probably know of. He was extremely clean-cut and clean-shaven, always, because he had to be playing for the Yankees. Right. So this is my point. Is it fair? Is it fair that in order to play for the New York Yankees, you have to cut your hair and shave your caveman beard because those are the rules for the New York Yankees? Mm -hmm. Is that fair? And the answer is, it does not matter. <laughs> okay? It, it doesn't actually matter. doesn't matter if it's fair. The fact is, those it is. are it, it the just, rules. It is. <laughs> those are the rules. <laughs> yeah. So do you yeah. want to play for the Yankees or not? That's all that actually matters. And you can extend this to so many different things when it comes to this topic, you know? Is it fair that in order to be a respectable lawyer, you have to wear a suit and tie? This is this is a generalization, but but I'm just using this um, as a generalization because I think most people will understand that you know lawyers dress a certain way. There's a uniform for being a lawyer, and that has to that has to do with several things that that signals. So what does it goes it goes back a long way uh, when you think about wigs, which are still present in some systems, uh, but that uniform goes back many, many centuries just in that one profession. And by the way, I, I'm going to, I'm going to let you finish, but <laughs> you bringing up the lawyer thing uh, reminded me, you know, when we were talking about the really clear examples of good versus bad, it's like, okay, consider uh, you being on trial for murdering somebody. Are you going to go to court in a suit? Or are you going to wear that Zelda hoodie? And if you choose the suit, why did you do that? Well, it would take a seriously bold, give no Fs person to choose the Zelda hoodie. Anybody listening to this with any sense is going to go the suit route when they're on trial for murder. And you're going to know why. You know exactly why. You want to look presentable. You want to look respectful. And you don't want to sit in the electric chair. It's completely painfully obvious why you would make that choice. And Kevin, when you talk about the trade-offs, do you want to play for the Yankees or not? That's the starkest one. Do you want to go to jail for the rest of your prison for the rest of your life or not? Well, there, there it's an easy one. Is it as easy playing for the Yankees? Maybe it's not quite as easy, but it's still pretty easy. Is it as easy when you meet up with your Tinder match? You know, well, no, that's not the same as being on trial for your life, but it's the same game. It's exactly the same game. So sorry for derailing that. But I, when you mentioned the court thing, that's such a clear example with both lawyers and and plaintiffs and defendants. Yeah. So think of all so social interactions at some level as a game, because a game is being played fundamentally at some level, no matter what the social interaction is. It's unspoken, but it's there. OK, so when you're a lawyer or you work on Wall Street or you're, you're some kind of businessman, you're a salesman, salesperson, <laughs> and you walk into the room in a suit, okay? What is the point of that? Why, what, what does wearing business attire mean? There are a few things that, that 
the business attire is telling everyone else in the room or, or your entire in general is telling other people in that room. One is, can we trust you? Can we trust you is a really important question to attempt to answer with your person, with your presentation, with your clothing. Can we trust you is really like at the top of the list of questions to try to answer with how you look. Two is, yes. can you follow the rules? Can you follow our rules? Can you follow rules in general? So we create this unspoken rule that everyone has to wear a suit in order to work in this office, this type of high rise office. Can you follow that rule? Can you show up in a suit? Or are you going to show up in your hoodie? Okay. That's another question. And then another one I wrote down is, do you take our game seriously? Do you take this int oh. interaction seriously? Yeah, that's good. That's a really important question to answer with your attire. And that goes to your court thing. You like, are you showing up to court in a tutu and scuba gear? That would be ridiculous. And like bunny ears, like if you show up to you your- You would be expressing contempt for the environment. That, yeah, that just would, straight up contempt. That would be a clear counter signal that you do not take this endeavor seriously. You don't take the court seriously. You don't take the proceedings seriously because you show up mm -hmm. to your your murder trial wearing a tutu. Um, and, 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 and even when it comes to playing for the Yankees, like those same questions are being- answered george steinbrenner is asking his players to fall in line do you want to be a new york yankee you need to fall in line and here's one way where i can test you on whether or not you can abide by our culture which is to cut your hair and shave your beard you can have a mustache don manually yes. that's okay you know and as arbitrary as that is conceptually practically you have to recognize that it is serving extremely basic per, um, purposes, which is to answer questions such as, can we trust you? Can you follow rules? And do you take this engagement, whatever it is, seriously? I'm so glad that in that you mentioned specifically a beard because it hit me how we got talking about this again. We were reading and discussing a 2014 paper called The Man Behind the Beard, Perception of Men's Trustworthiness as a Function of Facial Hair. This is what kicked it off a week ago. Oh, and neither of us could remember it was it. the beard study. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. was the beard study. Yeah. And this uh, was controlled in every possible way you could control a study. And it was measuring whether people found different faces trustworthy more or less. And the conclusion was that bearded men uh, were found to be significantly more trustworthy than clean-shaven men. I don't know why that is. You know, you could think like, oh, a, a man who's clean-shaven is, is bearing it all. You know, he's not hiding behind a beard. You can associate a beard with being older and wiser and dignified. I don't know. But for whatever reason, the overall thrust of this was that the sample, uh, sample trusted bearded men. You can't do anything about about how society feels about a beard in terms of trustworthiness. Like you just have to live with whatever forces are at play to make more people trust bearded men than non-bearded men. Um, and you have to make your decision with that. Does that matter enough to you uh, to 
to have or not have facial hair to to bolster your image it does it do you just look terrible with a beard do you have a splotchy weird one that doesn't grow in and it detracts from you more than it's helping you with any kind of authority you have all of these questions with something as simple as a beard that's mixing in with these really broad societal forces that you have no control over and this is like that t-shirt and we don't understand it's not it's it's not even that we don't have control over we don't even understand we have no uh, no clue why some things are the way they are why people would find bearded men more trustworthy we can have our own hypotheses about that that's fine yes but we don't really know why right right yeah yeah a lot of this stuff change yeah Mm mm-hmm This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. Fashion changes, trends change. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, culturally, things change. And I want to go into the appearance side beyond things you're putting on. Okay. uh, Beyond the choices that you would make in the morning. Okay. So, for example, um, I, I woke up today and I didn't choose my weight. It was what it was. There's stuff that, that you can't adjust based on the situation. Um, But but when I, I I thought of this because of the changes, two hundred years ago, you would see a person with extra weight and know that they were in a pretty good place in life. They they basically had enough money to be overweight. It was incredibly hard to do two hundred years ago to simply consume enough calories to be overweight took a fair bit of money and uh, also not working hard enough to get that weight off either. It's so the, it's the fat king somebody, trope. It's yeah. the fat king trope. The, it is. The king is yes, fat. Yes, it's exactly that. That's right. The king is fat. Now, do you associate people who have a higher than average weight with being wealthier? No. No, it's actually, it, it's quite often the opposite where a show like Here Comes Honey Boo Boo was built on here are these kind of physically uh, disastrous living people uh, who who you know are are quite low low class in terms of how they live well 200 years ago somebody would have looked at the honey boo boo family and mama june and whatever and been like okay they have more money than the church it's right i don't know how i don't know <laughs> why but yeah like what country do they preside over <laughs> The Duke of Honey Boo Boo, or no, the Duke of Honey Boo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But now you'd see somebody who's in really great shape and you'd think, okay, they take care of themselves. Uh, They probably are in a position to do that comfortably. You know, go to a gym. They have time to go to a gym. They have the money to uh, eat as well as they want, all this. So you get that exact same scenario reversing over just a few generations. So you can't even trust things like beards. You know, if they replicate this beard study a hundred years from now, it may or may not be the same. I don't know, but it is what it is right now. So to what degree, Kevin, because we are, this is a really delicate one to talk about, but we are in an era of uh, what I'm going to refer to as body positivity. But what I mean by citing that is that just 
however you look and whatever uh, your presentation physically, whether it's if you've dyed your hair or whether you have 20 extra pounds or need 20 extra pounds, um, to what degree is that fair? To what, to what degree do you have a responsibility to, not a responsibility, but to consider the trade-off uh, between, for example, losing weight to get an acting role? I use that because that was a situation I personally encountered 15 years ago. 15 years ago, I was on a short list uh, to host a show, and they basically said I was overweight and i i wasn't you wouldn't meet me on the street and think that i was like a very overweight person i wasn't but i wasn't ripped either i i wasn't in outstanding physical shape which is what they wanted to see in a host dude dude so dude i have yeah. met a lot of actors and actresses they mm -hmm. are freakishly thin they are way thinner yes. in person than you think that they are on the screen. On the screen, you're like, wow, they're in really good shape. You see them in person, you're like, yes. wow, they probably should have a sandwich, like immediate, like emergency sandwich for Jennifer Connelly. <laughs> I saw her when I was interning yeah. at Conan. There, that was one of the um, celebrities that I snuck down onto the, the, the studio floor to see in person. And holy crap, I that was that was the first thing that I saw that I, that I noticed, I was like, oh, she is tiny. She is teeny, teeny, tiny. And you see her in movies and TV shows all the time. You're like, you know, obviously she looks good on, on screen, but in person, you're like, do you just have like three lemons a day and like a cup of black coffee? <laughs> like what, what exactly are, yeah. are you eating? So yeah, uh, I could totally see, see really them. thin people on TV. I'm telling yeah, you to lose some weight. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, consider that, you know, that phrase that the camera adds 10 pounds. Well, if you see somebody who's really, really thin in person, they're really going to come off even thinner than that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was a different time too. Like the, the standards 15 years ago were different than they are now. If, if it was 2023 and I had, you know, my 25 year old body today, uh, maybe, maybe I'm still on the short list, but, um, you know, we talk about, do you put on a suit, but to what degree do you play the game with your body and where's the fairness in that? That's, that's my question, Kevin. And I, I know it's incredibly difficult. I, uh, Matt, I don't, I don't know if there's fairness in any of it. I don't know that there's fairness in any of it. Is there fairness? What, in what part of it is fair? I don't think fairness matters. I think you have to get over that, <laughs> you know, to say, oh, I can't yeah. get this job because the director says I'm overweight. And the answer to that is kind of too bad. If if they're not going to hire you because of that, I mean, I guess you could try to sue them for discrimination or something. At some point, I guess yeah, I I, that could come into play. And that then that definitely matters. Um, if there's active discrimination occurring, that's obviously bad and yeah. and you know people should take charge of making sure that that doesn't happen and you know it's an equi equitable situation but aside from that yeah when it comes to preferences for things or how culturally or societal wide norms are it, it doesn't matter and and the other thing that i that i that i really wanted to say also is that uh, because i have experience with this so i'm not talking about other people i'm talking about me 
for a long both of us are i want to point right, that out right. with almost everything we're saying here both of us have talked so much about it with each other because we've both encountered it constantly over the years we are absolutely pointing fingers back and forth to each other and to ourselves with all of this <laughs> yeah yeah because we've sucked at it um you know yeah we've sucked at this we've done some things right and some things very sure. badly yeah some things right some things wrong lots of things wrong the thing that i wanted to mention that i also uh, i think it's important to admit is that if you're people are going to get mad about this if you are purposefully <laughs> we can always edit we can it also out. yeah 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 uh, but but i think it's true and I, I and i think that it's sort of self-evident but at the same time it goes completely unrecognized and and, it, and that is this if you are purposefully counter signaling um and it, this goes back to the cost thing you have to recognize that there's a cost to pay for counter signaling and you have yes. to be okay with that or or you should theoretically at least recognize that that's part of the equation of counter signaling so that when, yes. when i was really really into grunge music and you know looking like a schlub <laughs> that i then that made me really comfortable and i and i really loved feeling that that way and dressing that way and presenting myself that way at the same time that was counter signaling to the social norm especially in the situation that i was in like in new york city amongst industry media industry professionals okay that guy's not like us like he's not playing the same game like like when i would go into that office a lot of like the executive types are dressed in like you know nice khakis and a nice dress shirt and that's like business casual. Like business casual is not sure is not like a Gojira hat. Like that's not business <laughs> <Right>. casual. That's <laughs> me looking right. like a metalhead. Okay. And there's a big difference between me walking to that office wearing, you know, Gojira shirts with like a flaming skull on them or something. And the executives who are wearing like nice button downs from Banana Republic. Like these are not the same thing. And I shouldn't, I should have expected to be called a schlub, but I didn't. I, I, yes. I ignored that part of it. And that's kind of my point here is that that part of it exists for all of us in all of these scenarios, whether it's fair or not, kind of doesn't it just matter. Is just well, the way it is. Yeah. But you're, you're playing an active role in that. That's my point is that I was playing an active role, counter signaling into the office that I was working to say like, I am a wacky mm -hmm. creative. I am a kooky outsider. Right. Look at me. Right. That's what I was doing. So yeah, to not be up for the role of like vice president of that company should come as no surprise to me. Like I yeah. should have recognized like these things play together. It's a symbiotic relationship and you know, you can't have it both ways. No. And that's, that's the thing. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm shifting in my chair. That is something that we have to be really explicit about here because I think we both completely agree on it that you can play this stuff any way you want to. Neither of us are at all judgmental on these things. No. We just aren't. Do whatever the hell you want to do. Yes. I don't care. Um, however, you need to own it. You need to absolutely own the cost of it. And if you're not 100% comfortable with that, you have nothing to complain about. You just don't. You, you 
are not in a position where you do whatever the hell you want and then mandate that everybody else sees it the same way. You have no control over them. It's a violation of your expectations of them to force them to receive your signal only exactly the way you want it to be received. You're completely taking away their autonomy. This is that we, we were uh, talking about it uh, just before we started in the, con- in the uh, context of the show Hoarders. It's like, what's your right to have seven cars on your lawn versus me as a neighbor? What's my right not to have a rat infestation? Uh, where does your freedom end and mine begin? Well, that's the same way with this signaling stuff. You have to be, if you're going to be completely free to do whatever you want, you have to understand that everybody else is completely free to interpret that however they want. And that's okay. But wow, do you have to own the cost of it? That is the biggest, biggest piece of this to me, Kevin, what you just said, that you cannot have it both ways. You need to do this calculus in your head, reach a conclusion, and then you need to live with your own conclusion. Yeah, like I, I could wear a spaghetti colander like a hat. I could do that if I really want a spaghetti calendar yes. hat. Like I could do that and, you know, wrap my wrap that. my arms in like Reynolds wrapped tin foil and just walk around like, you know, the, the president of the moon. I could do that. You just, you just write Gojira on the colander with a Sharpie. <laughs> yeah, like I could do that. Uh, <laughs> how, however, like, yep. are they going to hire me at the bank? I don't think so. Uh, I don't think they're going to hire me at the bank. They're just not going to trust me handling other people's money because what I'm signaling to them is like, I'm the type of person who's going to wear a spaghetti calendar as a hat. Yes. And if, if this stuff is important to you, and I know that the way Kevin and I are talking about it makes it seem like we are totally comfortable making whatever sacrifices we need to make to get the right outcome. I can't. I can't speak for Kevin on this, but it actually is really important to me uh, what I wear. It is seriously important to me. And I want to wear the same work pants every day. I want to wear dirty white t-shirts when I, when I go out, when I leave the house for anything where other people would see me. I like baseball shirts and I like chewing tobacco shirts. There's, there's not a whole lot in between. Uh, occasionally I'll, I'll wear something from the, the Kenny Rogers collection of the late seventies. That's a button down. Um, I like belts and with belt buckles, they're almost all related to, uh, bell systems in New York telephone. I like old vintage telephone company belt buckles. I am really specific about this. I'm specific about the brand of boots that I wear in terms of cowboy boots. I only have, uh, boots from one company. Um, this stuff is very important to me. Well, I conducted my life in such a way that I'm not going into an office in Manhattan from 9 to 5 every day or 8 to 10, 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. if we're being realistic about what those jobs would entail. I looked at that situation and thought, if I want it to be my way, I have to have a certain kind of life and I need to do all of these things that will give me that kind of life. And it, there's a lot of sacrifice in there. There are a lot of things that I'm not getting. There's a lot of money that, that you know, people like us aren't making. Kevin, we could make a lot more money than we do right now working at some network, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Or a, te- or a tech, a tech company. Yeah. Tech job, yeah. Yeah, working yeah. in the Bay Area. There are a lot of opportunities. Yeah. But we 
we make these choices because we want other things. Other things are more important to us. You know, I want to be covered in dirt and oil as often as I can. I want to smell like gas. I want my right thigh on all of my pants in the summer to be discolored from the exhaust of a brush cutter. These are really important things to me because they're reflections of how I live my life and how I want other people to see how I live my life. I'm okay with those trade-offs. I'm okay with the costs, but I had to work very, very hard to put myself in a position to do what I want. At no point was I a dirty, gas-smelling schlub and demanded that the whole world recognize my brilliance. It does not work that way. <laughs> right, right. Imagine showing up to VidCon uh, and going to some... Smelling like gas. Some important <laughs> panel. Yeah, and everyone's like... Does this smell like gas? Reeking of gas like and oil, gasoline, <laughs> <laughs> and like chain chainsaw oil in here. What is? Yeah, who is that? Yeah. Who is that? And you're like, oh, that's me. That's how I live my life. People are like, get away from me. You smell. <laughs> that's right. Get out of here. Can you please like, leave. I have that's a headache. Fine. Go live your life elsewhere. Smelling your gasoline pants. You know. Yeah, but we have you and I, Kevin, have made choices to have the life that we want and not have to do the life that we don't want. Um, the amount of work and sacrifice that has gone into that result is tremendous. It is tremendous. And we have taken it on the chin uh, over and over again with things like cutting our hair and putting on a suit and uh, not swearing in a meeting. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like Even demeanor and being pleasant when we this is more so me than you, but, you know, I have conversations with people I absolutely can't stand. I don't respect them. I don't like them. Uh, but you have a pleasant demeanor. Well, you know, how many times you, have you, you rewritten my emails, Matt? Like you're, you're, you're my step two oh, on yeah. a lot of my emails. People, yeah. people don't realize that they, they get the, the Matthew Tabor filtered version of Kevin Lieber's angry email. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sometimes so that's you just have to temper those things. It is. It is. You know, and you're playing this game, mini games, games within a game. If you're inclined to watch Vsauce 2 videos on the YouTubes, um, this is a massive, massive game theory exercise that is played out in costumes and body appearance. That's what it comes down to, is everybody is playing their own game individually. They're playing games with you. Uh, there are several levels of this. There are societal forces that influence both people in the game, and the pieces in the game are how you look. And the game is not fair. <laughs> the game is not fair. So absolutely not. Determine it's rigged against you. Yeah, how you, how you best want to play it for your own life. And I think that that was like the the overall thing I wanted to get through to everyone in this discussion, because like I said at the top, it's not something I ever hear anybody talk about, but it is critically oh. important to your well-being, to your your own like personal fulfillment, achieving the goals that you want to achieve professionally as well as personally. All of these are um, decisions that you have to tangle with. And unless you are recognizing the effects of them um, and like, how, like what proportion of making yourself comfortable do you go with as compared to presenting yourself in a way that society deems most appropriate and trustworthy? That's the game. And everyone is playing this game. We're all in this game. 
everyone is in yep. this game so at least recognize you know s take a step outside and look at the game and then decide and then like you know figure out how to best play it what moves to make what moves yeah. not to make and what's best like, like i said what's best for you depending on what it is you want to do I like the way you put that. Understand the game, the actual reality of the game, not how you think it should be, but how it is, and then figure out how you want to play it. That is the cleanest. That's that's one of the cleanest takeaways, Kevin, that I think we've had on any episode that we've talked about a topic like this. We've gotten to a point where you just expressed the point of it in like two sentences that were perfect. That's that's a success to me. Okay. Good. Well, I mean, this is one of the topics that we have discussed between amongst ourselves for 12 years now. So, so I'm glad yeah. that we gleaned some sort of summation out of that or, you know, bumper sticker conclusion. Uh, some of the other ones I think we have planned for the future might be less clean, but we got a clean one out of this. So I will take that W. I will put that feather in my cap for this one. That's a good one. But I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear stories from you listeners if there are any yeah, stories like my good. story about making me cut my hair or you know whatever it is and and what did you decide and are you do you regret the decision that you went with do you not regret it yeah you know all this is going to happen to you and i'm sure it's happened to to many of you many of you multiple times throughout your life and, and will continue to so give us some juicy stories i'd love to hear them i'd love to read about yes. them for sure give us the juice give us the juice all right <laughs> We're going we're gonna to wrap up there. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, thanks to our patrons for hanging out with us. If you want to become a patron and support this show, we are a Patreon-supported podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash thecreateunknown and uh, continue to get our words in your ears. But yeah, leave, leave some comments on this one. Love to hear some stories from you guys. Uh, we'll be back next week. Until then, we'll see you, Space Cowboys. Thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. We make this show with the support of our patrons. 100% of that goes directly to keeping episodes going every week, and the recent support has been amazing. Sidpoke, NRM, Venture Addicts, Weezer Good, you all really do make this show happen. Thank you to the Tots and Dumpster crew, old and new, who save tiny little lives every month. Thank you to our grizzled, battle-hardened child infantry. Clemente De Los Santos, Dan the Latch, Demetrius Andrews, Erica, Farrakhan, Jen Mefasanti, Kevin Menard, Mikhail Steinke, Monahim, Natsu, Penny Peddler, Risebread, Ryan Kinder, Samuel Manser, Sean S., Sean Malone, and Tom Bidioger. And a tremendous shout-out to our elite baby gang commanders. Atrocious Guff, Cat, Dojangles, Graham Robertson, James Gallagher, Jeff Davis, Orange Vanilla Coke, Patrick Pister, TCU's personal pilot, Andy, Ryan Carroll, Baseweight, Vinthos, Yetis Deletus, Jonas Walter, Nathan Robinson, Jelksies, and, of course, Trevstead. You are the elite. Thank you as well to our indentured servants, producer-editor Ben Webster, Minecraft mogul Laterman, Discord kitten wrangler Conrad, and producer emeritus Dan Yoshua. Thanks to Baseweight for use of Created in the Unknown for the opening theme. Thanks to Electro Voice for giving us mics to sound good on top of it. And a special thanks to Main Gear for powering all of our PC endeavors. The Create Unknown is an unknown media production in partnership with Studio 71.